Hello, and welcome to Level Up with Shay. I'm a comedian, entrepreneur, and lover of personal growth here to share stories on my level up journey, bring other fascinating and inspirational artists and creatives to share their story, and to help you realize your potential, take action, and fulfill your biggest dreams. Today's guest is one of the most unconventional creatives I've met, and that's not by accident. Her name is Heather Parody. Heather has been featured in Forbes, Pop Sugar, and Leaders in Heels, where she talks about podcasting in which she has over a thousand episodes under her belt and her hilarious TikTok channel where she has over 49,000 followers and over 1 million likes. Heather started out as a therapist, but after going on a few interviews and realizing she was going to be needed eight hours a day, five days a week in an office, she knew that wasn't what she wanted. She took a leap and dived into the online space as a photographer and freelancer, as well as starting her own podcast, Unconventional Leaders, in which she released over 500 episodes by herself. Now that is dedication. Heather and a co-host started a brand new podcast in 2021 called NFTs for Newbies, The podcast caught fire and they passed 850,000 downloads in just seven months. And if you don't know, that is wild. She also hosts a podcast called Happy Brain through the Tiny Leaps Network, where she interviews mental health experts who share quick and fun mental health tips we can use to live a healthier life. She is now really focused on community building in Web3 and bringing good people to that space. I met Heather doing a 72-hour film festival and we instantly clicked over podcasting, entrepreneurship, and just being creative and silly. In this episode, she shares some of her writing and sings a little song, unconventional to say the least. I am so excited for you to hear all the wisdom she shares about listening to yourself, fostering a relationship with your creativity, and the benefits of doing all the things you enjoy and making them your own. So please welcome to Level Up with Shay, Heather Parody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Level Up with Shay. I have a genius creative person here, Heather Parody. Hello. <laughs> genius. Do you get do you get nervous by the word genius? Because I think you are. It's just genius. not true. It's <laughs> not true at all. But I appreciate you. You're very kind. I tell lies. Okay. Well, I'm so excited. I was just telling Heather before this that I brain dumped a whole bunch of questions that I have for her that I think will really help out people who are creatives, who are facing hurdles or challenges with their creativity and with their work and getting it out into the world. So I want to start with your childhood. And and I just want to know generally, like, what were you like as a child? Do you remember dreams that you had as a child you know were you like a free spirit kind of like you are right now what did that look like um I was really shy and I was really insecure I didn't have a lot of friends and I wanted to be a figure skater when I grew up um until one of them broke no it was one of them I don't remember who it was or what happened I think it was Nancy Cardigan cardigan Mm. I'm wearing a cardigan um (laughs) somebody took like a hammer and banged some girl's knee do you remember that Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I don't want to be a figure skater anymore. Mm. Wow. But no, I, I, I wanted to do something beautiful and graceful and all that. And I was very clumsy and shy and I had bangs up here and was homeschooled. So it didn't work out for me. You were homeschooled. Do you have siblings? 
I do a little sister. Well, she's a younger sibling, a younger okay. sister. Yeah. Yeah. Not little anymore is what you're saying. But man, when you grow up, they're always your little brother. They're always your little right. sister. It's always big, little and all that. Like you don't see them any differently. Yeah, I get that. With her around, did you feel like the older child, like you were setting an example for her at all or kind of taking charge? Did you ever feel that? I was bossy naturally. And I see that in my oldest daughter right now. And I don't think I would have recognized that I am responsible for her. It's just like a natural position that you get put in, but also two little siblings are little. So you kind of have to stand your ground because they're acting like they don't know what to do. They act like they don't know what's right and wrong, but they're really just mis- like, they, they like to get into mischief. Yep. So I feel like the older siblings are just trying to protect themselves from the younger siblings. If my sister heard that, she would start spitting right now because she disagrees. But it's the truth. I'm going to send this directly to her afterwards. Please do. I I mean, I'm the oldest of step-siblings, of five step-siblings by 10 years. And they they are always trying to get into mischief and trouble, I feel like, more than I did. So, okay. So that's really all I wanted to know about your childhood, okay? So So we don't have to go deeper. random questions what made you interested about that specifically I want to know because I think that as children we dream and Mm -hmm. we we are able to have that free spirit so I I think because I think of my experience I was a very free spirit as a child Mm -hmm. and I would go around I would be on stage with my mom singing and you know I wanted I looked at the tv I watched tv and watched Jim Carrey and Liar Liar and Big Daddy with Adam Sandler, like I was into all of that comedy. So I kind of knew, okay, that's a dream that I have. But then I went through life and then I grew up. And that dream and that desire was kind of stopped. You know, it was kind of blocked. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say is, yeah, when you're a kid, it's like, oh, I'm going to be a figure skater. But then at some point, I don't know when it is in your teenage years, like, the possibility of something happening, it's it just it's not there anymore. You don't think like that. You don't think that you actually could do X, Y, Z. And it's not, I don't think, because since somebody necessarily always told you, it's just something switches in your brain. And it's like, oh, what are my options here? Yeah, I wonder if it's because you're surrounded by people who are working office jobs, desk yes. jobs. Yes. You know, that's yes. what your parents did. That's what your friend's parents yep. did. Because then you see all of these people who are figure skaters or who are these, you know, younger actors, they are surrounding themselves with other figure skaters that are going to practice, just other athletes in general. Yeah, it's the norm. Okay. Um, Well, thank you for sharing. And so moving on, you were a therapist. So what made you want to get into therapy? I wanted to be a nurse. Then A&P at a community college almost ruined my life. And I was like, if I can't make it through A&P one at a community college in Little Rock, Arkansas, I probably shouldn't be a nurse. Would you want me being your nurse? Probably (laughs) not. So then I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Because that's what I was going to do was be a nurse because I wanted to help people and people who are bleeding need help. Well, I took a psychology class on the side just because it was like the only class available and I freaking fell in love with it. It was the best class in the world. I was that person at the front asking questions and just enjoying it way too much. So I said, this is what I wanted to do. And I think it was, it was this combination of this is how you can help people, but it got to the root and the core of a lot of issues that we all deal with. 
right? And, and really dictates every single bit of our life. So, so that's why later on, I, as it's not that I don't enjoy therapy and I don't enjoy aspects of it. I just kind of became fascinated with psychology beyond diagnosis and beyond problems and beyond struggles, like getting into the creative side of things, like what's that all about? You know, what makes you, Shay, want to torture yourself over a pen and a paper and write jokes and go stand in front of strangers? And where do you get inspiration from? And what kind of courage does that take to go the unconventional path of your own life? Like that's an interesting conversation too. So I think the psychology topic fascinates people because at the root and the core, it's all of our story, right? <laughs> Um, but it's also, I think, deserves a bigger place in our society outside of just a therapy room. Yeah, I love that. And I was going to ask, you know, kind of that part about the diagnosis type thing, because I went after I got my MBA, I went back to school for a semester, a semester and a half to be a dietitian, a registered really? dietitian, because I really at that time. I dealt with a lot of eating disorders, eating issues that I wanted to help myself understand what mm -hmm. that meant and help other people, you know, in that arena. So I was just wondering, you know, if that was also a reason why you got into therapy, because you're like, I also want to fix some part of me that I feel is broken. No. And that's the whole arrogant ego thing of it, which is so ironic. Not definitely not everybody, but I feel like a lot of people in my cohort was more of like, how do we help people? And towards the end of the uh, training, we realized we all needed help. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of like we went in there with like this savior mentality, which I had a yeah. really bad savior mentality, you know, being in ministry and all that of like, I'm here to help you with your issues. Mm -hmm. And then realizing, oh, the best way for me to help the world is to freaking help my own self. So I wouldn't have even told you I had any issues, like real deep issues until after school. And, you know, I talk a lot about my own anxiety and stuff. My anxiety didn't make itself known or really transform into my life, like come into my life until I ventured out on my own a couple of years ago. I hadn't really dealt with anxiety prior to that. So no, um, maybe yeah. subconsciously, mm -hmm. but Consciously, no, I wouldn't have. Yeah. I wouldn't have told you that or thought that. And so, what did you move into after therapy? Was this the just a couple years ago you're talking about? Yeah, it was four, five years ago, I think. Um, well, I just wanted to make something on my own. I didn't like the idea of going to a job, which I know is just like the most privileged almost arrogant thing to even think of like, why wouldn't you want to go work? <laughs> you know what I mean? But I had gotten addicted, um, spoiled to living life kind of on my own terms. Um, I was going to school and I'd started a business on the side and I was making really good money as a photographer. I mean, I was traveling, I was going out of state for different gigs. I think I shot in like seven different States. Like it was amazing. And I was like, why in the way I went to a couple job interviews and they were like, you got to be here eight to five. And I'm like, no, I'm not, you know, and it is just, again, I know this is a very like privileged thing because, you know, there's, it's hard making a living on your own and not going to work. I mean, it's a very, very hard thing to do, but I, I, I was like, I want to do, I want to be my own boss. I, I want freedom. You know what I mean? Like I want to be able to do things on a Tuesday. If I want to go do things on a Tuesday, um, I want creative freedom. Uh, there was things I just wanted to put out into the world and didn't want a manual. 
I think it, I think people like us are just kind of a little rebellious, you know what I mean? Um, almost, it's it's a very audacious thing. But I decided ultimately, a energy wise, sitting with people for hours and hours and hours was really getting to me. I would feel emotionally drained at the end of the day, and you have to pay attention to how you feel. You know what I mean? Like if you went on stage and did jokes or made, you know, made skits and wrote and did all the things that you do. If at the end of every day, you just felt depleted, like I'm sure you're tired, but there's a difference between tired and depleted. You got to pay attention to that. So it was that element along with just really wanted to make something. So what I did is I had a couple of job offers and I turned them down and then I cried a lot and was like, I'm an idiot. And now I'm making no money. I was going to make good money. Now I'm making no money. What do I do? Um, and I just started taking freelance jobs, anything I could do online to make money, period. So I did podcast editing. I did social media stuff. I did admin things for people who didn't have time. I mean, I did anything and everything and I, I it picked up fast. People need help. So I did that for a few years and then I started kind of transitioning into more of the strategic side of stuff and helping people build out, you know, things from like a strategy perspective. So instead of them giving me work to do, I was actually helping them strategize stuff and charging for that. I did a few masterminds, did a few courses. Um, I never made like a million dollars doing it, but enough to, you know, make some money. And so that's what I've been doing for the past few years and kind of transitioning and pivoting along the way. Yeah, I love that. That though that's creative work. Those gigs mm-hmm. that you took. How were you creative in your work? How did you start being creative in that way? Was that with your unconventional leaders podcast? Is that how it started? I would say the biggest work that I've done up to this point. I've had a lot of little projects, different things I've done here and there. I mean, I could countless creative projects I've done, but I think the the biggest thing that I'm the most proud of that I could say I did that was the the unconventional leaders podcast. So that was a, um, I would say a labor of love. I definitely spent way more money on that than I ever made from it. And hours 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 of work. And I meant every single one of those hours I just said, because I want you to feel that in your bones when I say it, because people are like, oh yeah, a lot of work. But they don't realize when you're talking about years of late nights and spending your Saturday nights editing things and making effing snip clips you put on IG that 13 people like, you know what I mean? Like that's the grind y'all and that's the reality. And it was, um, it was incredible. And I'm so grateful for every moment of that. Um, We ended the show the end of last year, just for a variety of reasons, but we put in well over 500 episodes. I forgot the the specific count, but got to interview people I met on TikTok all the way to people that I've loved forever, like Sam Jones from Off Camera and Seth Godin and Jack Canfield and those kind of people. So just like an incredible honor, that show. But yeah, that was probably my biggest creative outlet. Uh, We talked a few weeks ago at New Year's actually, and you mentioned the word faithful. And I don't know if you remember that moment, but that really hit me, that word faithful, because it's putting in work without a promise of success, really. Mm-hmm. So I just want to know, what does the word faithful, what does that mean to you overall? And what does it mean to you like 
day to day? It's a relationship that you have with your work and us viewing it as an intimate getting in the sack with your work. Like I've seen your naked ass, like morning breath, you on your worst day, you and your best day, that kind of intimate relationship that you have experienced in life with different people. You have to have that kind of relationship, I believe, with your creative work where, you know, I get that thing we need to, you know, I'm I'm big on preaching things need to feel good and come on Abraham Hicks and light and energy and all that for sure, 100%. But if we abandoned every single thing when things got hard, we would never have real relationships in our lives. And we never have a real relationship with ourselves because I'm not pretty all the time or an awesome all the time. So if you look at it like a, a spiritual intimate relationship with your creative work, that's what faithful means to me. So, you know, if I'm going to build a really close relationship with you, Shay, and things get hard and I bounce here and there and I ghost you here and there or whatever, I'm an asshole friend. You know what I mean? But when I'm faithful to you, you can tell me your secrets and I'm not going to tell anybody. We can get into fights, but still work through it. Like it's literally a relationship with your creative work. So that's what faithful means to me. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. And it just reminds me just so many times where I've sat down and edited videos of my own or even podcasts and just seeing yourself. I know. You really have to learn how to love it. Really? <laughs> and love yourself. Mm-hmm. So what was one of the biggest problems or hurdles that you came across when you were getting into that unconventional leader's work? I think it's the same problem that I still have with it. I don't know if it's going to go away, but it's this weird connection with money and your creativity. I think that's probably one of the biggest, most real barriers that I've had to face and still facing where there's no right or wrong, Shay, at all. So what I'm about to say is just my own perception, my own experience. But I have like people who are really close to me who are like, I don't want to create unless it's making money. And I respect that. And I almost envy it because I'm like, if I was a little more like that, I'd probably be richer. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know I would be, but, um, the, the relationship with money and your creative work, I think is, is what's the most difficult is figuring out, you know, sometimes you're not going to make money doing your creative work. I think that's the end goal. And I think we can definitely get there and we want to get there, but there are, there are seasons where you just don't. And maybe it's a very long runway before you do. And so figuring out how do I work on these side gigs and edit these podcasts or make these videos or go to Starbucks and work. And how do I manage that, keep my own mental health sane, but still, you know, be faithful to that intimate relationship with my creativity and not putting the pressure on your creativity that it has to make you money too. And and that's hard, you know, because I love this analogy of relationship, like, you know, if, if I'm telling my creativity, oh, you have to be X, Y, Z for me, that's almost, it's, it's not unconditional. You know what I mean? But ideally you want to be with your creativity all the time. You don't want to have to go to work and not be with your creativity, but somebody's got to pay the bills. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's the, the most frustrating thing because you're a human being at the end of the day. And I think the societal pressure too, that if it's not making you money, it's not worth something. And people who aren't in this world don't get how long it actually takes. So I think that's probably the biggest thing I've dealt with personally. Yeah, the money, the money thing and and like how how long is it going to take? Yeah, not having that deadline 
of, yeah. well, I'll yeah. give myself five years. And if it doesn't, then, because that just kind of takes creativity away and it's just a lot of pressure on it. So working with other people and helping them strategize and all of that, what do you think is their, the people that you've worked with, what have you seen as their biggest problem or hurdle for putting out work? I would say overall lack of clarity of what they're doing here and owning how it helps people. So I think the lack of clarity is a fear and I've been I'm guilty of that too, where we'll say we don't really, you know, we'll kind of be vague about whatever, but it's really because it's terrifying to put your stake in the ground and really own, this is what I do. This is exactly how I help people and like say that confidently. So I think the lack of clarity is probably the biggest, the biggest thing that I've seen and just a deep insecurity that this doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like we're all wanting that validation that this is good. And I know I want that. Like I've been running around all week trying to get people's validation on stuff. And it's like, it's not coming. And the interesting thing is even when they give it to you, it doesn't mean anything because the validation you're looking for isn't satisfied with, with an outside source. It's supposed to come from within, you know, and we all know that like, it's a really cute Wayne Dyer quote, but like actually feeling it is, is completely different. So that, that, Hey, uh, well, is this good? Is this okay? Is this worth anything? That's what we're all dealing with. Yeah. And I think with that, when we see numbers on Instagram or TikTok, when we see a lot of numbers, we get really excited. And when we don't see those numbers, we're like, oh, that was bad or whatever. How do you stay neutral in that, you know, when you're putting stuff out, how do you stay neutral between a viral video and then the next one you get 20 views? Yeah, I think that's just putting in the work and being a practitioner because after a while it doesn't mean so much. I think if you dabble in things, it's easier to be swayed by numbers. But I think if you're a real practitioner and you're faithful with your creativity, you have a way more grounded sense just because you've just been exposed to it more. So, I mean, I get excited when things like take off and go viral, but not near to the extent that I used to when I first started, because I realized, you know, I mean, I've had, it's almost at 10 million views. I have a video out on Facebook right now that almost has 10 freaking million views. And you know, what's happened from that? nothing <laughs> absolutely nothing has happened right. from that it feels good it's cool to think like oh 10 million people whatever what does it mean shit like it, it and I, I mean i've had it, it wasn't a one-time thing like we've had a lot of videos pop but you just realize through reps that it, it's like these little you know you get a burst of energy throughout your day and like you sweep the floor a little more digital diligently it's like that it's like this little burst, you're like, oh, cool, hmm, nice. But you know, like it's not going to clean your whole house. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't know any tricks or hacks other than repetition. I, I just think that there's, Seth Godin talks about being a professional creative. You know what I mean? And I think really taking on that mantle that I'm a professional before you feel like you are. So instead of saying, oh, one day I'm going to be a comedian, you're like, I am a professional comedian. And just seeing yourself like that, you're way more grounded and um, you don't get easily moved by things. I'm not saying you're not a human, you don't get upset, but viral stuff doesn't really get me anymore. Like, hell yeah, I want something to go viral, but I know personally it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And I love that perspective of seeing yourself as that professional already, because yeah, I feel like I've felt that at times and I am less less swayed because I'm more focused on the work 
yep. than on people's reaction to the work. Yeah. And you know, like the real, the real people who are in the trenches and this is, this is a, there's a light and a dark side to this too. So I'm not really advocating for this. It's just the truth. We're always on to the next thing. You know what I mean? Like Jerry Seinfeld writes an amazing bit and he gets a laugh. Do you think that he's like, <laughs> no, he's thinking about his next set and how to improve it. It's all data. Failure's data, success is data. Everything's data. That's just crafting us and helping us pivot to become a little bit better every single time. So yeah. And I think that's how I've started thinking of social media now is things I put out. I'm just testing stuff. A hundred percent. I have on my whiteboard right here, action equals feedback, which is something that you said in a workshop. And I've always kept that in mind because it's like, you're not going to know anything. You're not going to have any more answers. You're not going to learn if you don't take action and put yourself out there. That That's why what should I do is like the worst question ever. Yeah, you know, It really is because nobody knows. You know what I mean? Like we can do educated guesses on what you should do next. Will Smith, one of his, I haven't read the book, but somebody posted this clip and they said that, you know, all feedback is prior experience, like just regurgitating prior experience. So if you tell me I'm going to be the owner of a franchise of Starbucks or whatever, what, what should I do next? I'm going to pull from my own previous experience of people I know who've owned franchises, what I thought to think about Starbucks, what I heard on YouTube one time. And all I'm doing is taking my past experience and throwing it up on you. And Will Smith says that that's cool because there's probably wisdom in there, but it lacks possibility and it lacks imagination because we're just pulling from a warehouse of stored things that happened in the past. So it's interesting when you think about that. So what should I do next? We're always pulling from our past and pulling from our fear as opposed to tapping in to something maybe a little bit more interesting, which is something that maybe hasn't been thought of or hasn't been done or hasn't been experienced. So what should you do next? What are you curious about? You know, that's what I've been asking myself lately because I'm in a really weird season of my life right now and I don't know what to do next. So I, I keep hearing and I think it's Elizabeth Gilbert, her spirit's with me, but she's just like, what are you curious about right now? Can we trust that? Are we brave enough to act on that? Yeah, I I, I love that. Um, so how do you, because I, I will say I love this because with myself making videos and writing a script or a sketch, you know, I'll look at other people and then I'll look at what I made. I'm like, man, this is so different than what other people have made. Is this going to be okay? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know, but I get so excited about that because that's me. It's 100% me. It's not looking at, it's an idea that I have and I make it into a video. It's not something that I saw online and I'm trying to recreate that. So trends are such a big thing online right now. How do you stay authentic and also use trends? Like how do you stay neutral with that? Great question. I think I think of trends as a tool, not the message. Okay, so tools and messages are two different things. So I'm going to use trends as a vehicle and a tool to get my message, my creativity out into the world. Okay, so let's say that there is a, um, for instance, I just posted, and this was a, don't look it up. It's not like the greatest reel. I just put it out there because I'm like, but there were some, some these people dancing or whatever. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this little dance. And then what do I want to say in that? 
So the dance, the little thing that we did was just the trend, just the tool, but me adding my message in there, which was about spirituality, like my caption was like, when your friend tells you that they're starting to tap into spirituality and you're like, what up? You know what I mean? So those are two different things. Um, I think you become inauthentic when you think, oh, what's going to pop here with my message, right? As opposed to pausing and asking yourself. And I mean, literally pausing. I do this, Shay, I swear to God, pausing and closing your eyes and getting still and listening and say, what do I want to say here? Now, when that's compromised, you're a sellout or you're selling out. Let me not label you. You're, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I think that's important. But I think we don't need to demonize tools either because they're cool vehicles to get our message out there. So that's the distinction that I make in my own mind. And sometimes like earlier, I, I was making a reel. Today's real batch day. And I felt really stuck. I did the little trend thing and I was, I had an idea for how I could spin it, but the words just weren't coming to me. And I put that mother in drafts, you know what I mean? Cause I'm like, I don't want to post something or get something ready to just do it. Like I want it to be like, something resonates with me. And it's not always like perfect because then we'll never post out anything. Right. But it also didn't like, it felt, I was saying something to say it and how much of the internet is just filled with people saying things to say it. Yeah. What is the difference between a good idea and a bad idea? How do you know when something is a good idea versus a bad idea? You know, we can go the whole, like, there's no bad ideas, all ideas. You know, we can say that, but I think what's coming to me right now is I'm thinking of something that's like burst within you versus something that's imposed on you that you feel kind of obligated to. And I'm not saying people can't give you ideas and give you wisdom, but if it doesn't like really resonate with you and like something birth up inside of you, then I think it's something not necessarily to be quote bad, but to be weary of. Um, I think of ideas as like living entities and that's totally stolen from like Liz Gilbert and Julia Cameron and all of our people fist bumped my people <laughs> love them so much and it's like what do we want to breathe life into because an idea you know Elizabeth Gilbert will say that an idea if it's not taken seriously by me might go on to you and so it's like we're almost taking ownership of ideas like do I want that idea to reside in me and me to take action on it or do I want it to pass to somebody else and so I don't think I don't think it's necessarily good or bad it's just like do I want to take this on? You know, is that what you're asking? I, I think because people will question like, is this a good idea? Or is this a bad idea? And they'll overthink things to mm. where they won't take action. Mm -hmm. So just wondering, yeah, what is the feeling of like a good idea? Okay, I know when this is a good idea. And I know when this is a bad idea, or this isn't the right time for this idea. So I had an idea the other day. And I didn't know if it was one I should, because it's a pretty big deal. It's like something that's going to take me several months to do and potentially make me look really stupid in front of a lot of people. So I'm like, is this a good idea or is this a bad idea? So I had that goodness. I go out running. I get all these ideas when I'm running because all these weird hormonal things are happening in my head. So I know Chase Jarvis recommends, you know, when you get an idea, sit with it for 24 hours before you think about it, tell anybody. And I didn't take his advice. I went ahead and DM'd one of my friends and tried to ask their opinion on it. And I, I got some good feedback, but you know, what happens is when you tell people about your ideas, they always give you a whole bunch of feedback, which just makes you more confused. But with this particular idea, I made a promise to myself because I'm the opposite of most people. Most people get an idea 
and I like overthink it and they don't do anything with it. I would say that's usually pretty common. I have another issue, which is just as bad, where I don't think about it enough and I just do it. Like your girl will have an LLC, a logo, and be announcing it about three hours later. And I don't think things through enough. I'm a cliff jumper. So I made me knowing that about myself, I gave myself a deadline that I wouldn't take action on this for another two weeks. And I was going to sit with it and think about it and just really let it simmer and then decide if this was something I want to take on because most people can make anything work. Like if we really wanted to, like, unless it's something absolutely crazy, like I'm going to go ski on the moon or something. If you're committed, like human intention is really powerful, powerful. And if we're aligned and we make a decision and we really tune into that and we set the intention, there's so many things that are way closer in our grasp than what we realize right? So again, back to my original point, we have to just really ask ourselves, is this what I want to align with? But the problem is most people just don't end up doing anything to your point, which I have no interest in really discussing that because there's nothing I can do or say that will move them, period. I'm done. I used to be like, I'm going to help motivate people. I'm done. I have zero interest to motivate anybody who doesn't care and doesn't want to put out something. Nope. Enjoy your life. Yeah, I used to be that way too, of like giving them advice or trying to motivate them into doing something. And then it's like, they got annoyed with me. I got annoyed with them. Like, this is not working out. So (laughs) what are some positive things about not picking a lane and putting Mm. your hands in so many different projects? Because I know we've talked about how both of us love to do multiple things at one time. Whereas we've heard advice, just pick one thing, but we feel fulfilled doing multiple things. So yeah, what are some positives that you've found about putting your hands in in multiple things? I think if anything brings you joy and you want to do it, do it. Don't listen to people. Like, yeah, you might not be a billionaire one day, but I love uh, James Victory said yesterday in a, in a workshop, he said, um, don't make being a millionaire your goal. That's a very small goal. Make being a poet your number one goal and then maybe number two, becoming a millionaire as a poet. And I loved that because we're putting the craft first as opposed to the money, which I think is a lot of the advice for picking something because it makes sense. I mean, I, I, I've helped build multiple you know, businesses online and it's the truth. The more clear you are, like I said earlier, the more money you're going to make. But the perk, um, so it is a downfall. You know, it's, it's a little bit more difficult to scale things when you're doing multiple things. But the perk of it is pulling from different sources. I think it enriches your creativity. So if anybody knows anything about acting, you usually pull from something. You pull from an experience. You pull from exposure, right? So me going and meeting Robert the other day and him sharing about his tattoo and that story and that experience and hearing that, that's something that I pull in and could use to inform different parts of my life. And we understand that relationally, but I think creatively it's a worthwhile pursuit to expose yourself to many, many things because it just enriches the work at your hand. So I think that's a perk. Another perk too is I don't think we really know what we like until we play, you know, 
you don't really know what you, who you are and what you enjoy and all that until you kind of expose yourself to different things. Like I know many times I've just been proven wrong. I'll be like, oh, I'm this, this, this. And then I'll experience something and but never mind, I'm not that. You know what I mean? Like I always said that I was like an entrepreneur. I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not. I'm a creative with entrepreneurial tendencies, period. You know, and I wouldn't have known that unless I had attended, you know, a hundred freaking conferences and sat in a million workshops and actually worked with real entrepreneurs who only think about money and realize that no, really, they only think about money. No, for real, like for real, for real. And there's nothing wrong with that, but for real, they wake up and think about that. And without exposure, I would have known that. So it's it's a it's a university on yourself, I think. I love that because that's I mean, I've have my MBA and I feel like I've learned so much more through exposure and experience. Yeah. And YouTube videos and people and relationships. And it makes you more empathetic too. I mean, that's if we to get into just kind of the issues of the world is like we don't have empathy for one another because we haven't been exposed to certain situations and really broaden our very, very narrow worldview. I told, I've told you before, you would have hated me years ago. I was incredibly, and I still have judgment, obviously, in me a lot that's like getting exposed constantly, but it only came through like relationships and experience that I started realizing like, oh, the world is way bigger than I thought, right? So I think there's also that human element of exposure gives you greater empathy. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So I know, you know, as a therapist, Therapists focus on their patients' problems, right? And helping them, trying to solve them. And so how do you, post-therapist life, but now creative life, how do you set boundaries to make sure that you are taken care of as well? Realizing that I can't help anybody, first and foremost. So we have to let go of control that, like, you know, you just said, as a therapist, you try to help people work through their problems. I can't as a therapist. I can't as a coach. I can't as a friend. Um, Chris Doe, we just interviewed him and he was talking about education and education means to draw out. And so as educators, which I think we are as creatives and helpers and so forth, um, our only role is to create an environment around us and energetically and to facilitate a space where people can create their own change and have their own healing. And honestly, that's the only change in healing worthwhile is the one that comes from within as opposed, because otherwise it's something we're going to have to deconstruct later because it was handed to us and not something that was birthed within us. So I think, you know, that's hard because again, our ego, you know, I want to, like I told you before, as a therapist, like when I wanted to be a therapist, it was purely ego driven. I'm like, I want to help save the world. And I, you know, I'm realizing more and more every day that I can't. And so there's that internal letting go, right? As far as like boundaries in general, I'm in the online space. And so it's never ending. And there's a lot of, I don't want to say guilt, but FOMO worrying about if you're not posting enough or not engaging enough, blah, 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 things aren't going to work, et cetera. The only way that I've been able to navigate that is through spiritual practice like even you know these little hacks like turning your notifications off and you know setting hours to work and all that those those are those work right but that doesn't change your that doesn't stop your mind or your anxiety like it it physically prevents you from doing something but it's like locking the chocolate up in the pantry with the key it's harder to get to but you're 
still suffering within, you know? Mm -hmm. So suffering, the only way that I've been able to navigate that is spiritual practice, period. I, I know when I'm off, like I'm not meditating and I'm not getting quiet and I'm not going outside. Outside is very big for me and tuning in. Um, that's the only way I've been able to navigate it imperfectly. Yeah, that makes sense because you can have all these tips and tricks, but at the end of the day, you're still stuck with your head and your heart. A hundred percent. I've wondered why, okay, everybody knows all of these tips and tricks, you know, like save screen time, you know, get off social media, people know, but I've never heard it like that, where it's like, you still have your head and your heart Yeah, with you. The, the issue isn't this, you right. know what I mean? The issue yeah. isn't any of these tools or whatever, it's connection and belonging with ourselves. Mm. You know what I mean? And so yeah. nobody wants to hear that, but that's that the truth, you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right, because it's not an on-off switch. It's no. it's a it's a practice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that. A couple more questions. What are some ways, or maybe just one way, that you are leveling up these days? I am being intentional with speaking up more and standing up for myself in situations that I feel intimidated in. I'm a very strong woman, however. I have noticed a trend with me that I am not clear and direct as much as I should be around people I'm intimidated around and don't stand my ground. Someone told me the other day, they said, you don't recognize the power you have and the voice that you have. And I know that I do up here, but me actually practicing and using it. You posted, I think on your stories, like a podcast about something like that, of just like, I've been, you know, conditioned I wrote this down. I'm going to share this with you. And this is very embarrassing, but I don't care. <laughs> yes, give it to me. I mean, I've been wanting to write more, but I feel really insecure about writing for another reason. That's another podcast. Here we go. I want to be bold when I speak, but I don't want to be a jerk. I wonder who first taught me that my strength would make you hurt. Mm. That's where I'm leveling up right now is realizing that my boldness, that me speaking up for myself and me holding my ground doesn't hurt people in and of itself. My strength does not make you hurt, right? And I shy away from it because I deep down for some reason, somebody must've told me that. Yeah, because you don't want to hurt other people, which, yep. and that was something that you wrote that was like a short little thing that, mm -hmm. do it more girl. Okay. Yeah, I like that. So nice. You're my I friend. Like <laughs> <laughs> I have one more question, but before we get into that, where can we find you online and how can we support you? Find me online at Heather Parody. Um, Instagram's really where I've been at most days lately, um, which is odd. How you can support me, I would like you to leave Shay a review of her podcast and say every truth within you about what this show has done for you or means for you and be very specific. So leave five stars and write one or two lines that's the truth that sits in the bottom of your heart. I heard that the other day. What is the truth about this show? So Shay can read that. That's how you can support me. Wow. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean it or I'll come find you, listener. I will come find you and cut you. Okay, sorry. Got aggressive there. She, she will, she will. Well, thank you for that. And yes, go follow her, please. Okay, so last question. 
What advice would you give to someone who is creative? And what I had down was like, maybe they're worried about how long it will take. But really, I think I want people to know what to do in the trenches day to day. Like what advice would you give somebody who it's every day? Yep. I got it. I got it. I want, I want you to start. I'm going to do this. Have to do a stand up set. What's up? <laughs> you about to sing. Can you hear me testing? I need you to do a little thing like this. Okay. She's, she's bouncing a little bit. Got a little rhythm. I'm going to sing. Hold on loosely. Don't let go. If you cling to tight leg, you're going to lose control. <clears throat> First of all, you're welcome. Thank you. Second of all, that, that's my advice. This is a 1980s song for you youngins who are listening. Um, your girl's in her 30s, so this was a jam back when I was a kid. But listen to the lines of that song. Hold on loosely. Don't let go. If you cling too tightly, you're going to lose control. I love that. Because as creatives, we cling so tightly to our ideas and our projects and our videos and our songs and our work and the way we appear and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that creativity is a fluid feminine energy that's here to teach us fluidity and to teach us to let go and to teach us to be vessels. And the only way that we can honor it is I'm not saying don't take it seriously. I told you about being faithful earlier, but also it's a wild woman and it doesn't want to be tamed. So we've got to hold on loosely and not let go of that sucker. You almost say, oh, come on. Okay. Okay. Yeehaw. Wild woman. Woo. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that you sang a little song. I know. I read you poetry. I sang. It was yeah. just, what a day. This is such an unconventional podcast and no wonder because we have Heather Parody. Heather, Thank you so much for your wisdom and knowledge and just being here for your time. Thank you to everybody who listened today. If you have any wisdom or nuggets that you pulled from whatever Heather had to say today, I know you have multiple, write an essay about it, but go tag us, share this episode, go tag us on Instagram and yeah, show her some love, please. Thanks y'all. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode with Heather Parody. If anything that Heather said today resonated with you, please share this episode on Instagram and tag me at Level Up with Shay and tag Heather at Heather Parody. All of her social media links are in the show notes and more. So check those out to connect with her over there. Subscribe to Level Up with Shay wherever you get your podcasts. Again, thank you so much for being here. It's time to level up.